Mindset Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian, online training and nutrition coach, and owner of James Roberts Fitness. You can find more of my content by going to my website, fitampity.co.uk. But before we get started with today's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners. And if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, I've got David Ajibade. He's a personal trainer and owner of Kinetics Fitness, but also not forgetting he's also one half of No Added Sugar podcast. So welcome onto the show, David. How's it going? I'm honoured to be here and I'm excited to talk about today's topic. That's oh, my pleasure, David. So before we delve into today's topic, David, can you talk to us, obviously, what were your reasons behind getting into the fitness industry to start off with? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think it's not really anything that's different to anybody else. I think uh, I used to be quite slim, you know, not the biggest of guys now, but I used to be really skinny. Then I started training with my mates and then I just grew a very keen interest in exercise. And then um, after that um, keen interest in exercise, it just turned into, you know what, I'm doing some research, I'm doing some research, I'm quite knowledgeable about this stuff. Um, let's give it a shot, you know. That, that's, that's, what, that's generally, it happened quite organically. So probably from the, the, the perspective that people see on social media, you're probably coming from a different angle because most people would assume, well, not assume, but you, you would see in the spotlight a lot of people coming from the overweight perspective and, and, and kind of coming down, where I suppose you're quite, coming the opposite quite, way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's, that's quite common. I, you see a lot with um, ladies in particular, a lot of women have some very good testimonies when it comes to how they became a fitness professional. You know, we're seeing some big shifting of weight. Um, and along that journey, they realised a lot of stuff. So, I mean, the fitness industry is very um, interesting, to be honest. You meet people with a lot of stories. You very seldomly meet somebody who says, yeah, I, I just felt like becoming a personal trainer one day, so i just done it. Like, it's not... Is that's not something that happens very often. There's usually some sort of story behind it because it's a it's an occupation where you have to be highly motivated, and you know you have to motivate people very highly as well. So yeah, you know, generally there is a story behind it, and that's my one. I was just like a really slim guy, um, started training my mates, and the interest just grew and grew and grew and grew until you know i'm the person i am today i think also david i think it's 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 we've all got our form of adversity be it i think because once we get to that certain point within the field i think sometimes we forget about it but then looking at it from the outside we're probably no different be it coming from being overweight um struggling to put muscle on be it yeah. my case with overcoming a disability, we've all yeah. faced um, some sort of adversity along the way, but we've had that interest within trying to better ourselves 
not just from a fitness perspective, but also nutritionally. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that that has been a big obstacle for myself. Uh, I I think it's just a you know culture. A lot of even with clients, generally they take on the culture of their household. So in my house, there was just a culture of not we're not really fussed about food. You know, for it took it took a long time for me to start actually realizing that I don't put on any weight and I feel tired because I don't eat. Oh, I don't eat breakfast. That's a big thing that I've had to overcome, not eating breakfast. And it's kind of, you know, the culture within your households a lot of the time. And then also I've got this question for you now, David. What was the idea behind starting your own podcast? I know we touched upon it briefly off air, but for the listeners, what was kind of the ideas behind it? Um, do you know what it is that? Uh, a lot of the time, like I will receive some questions online and, and things like that, and uh, you, you're conflicted because you want to answer somebody's question, but at the same time, you don't want to overload them with information because, let's face it, especially in this day and age, um, where people are privy to videos and other and other things, nobody wants to read like your ten. Um, like your one page paragraph in response to oh how do I lose a little bit of weight so it's just a way that I wanted to get some high high quality information out there and a way that people can consume it you know in a manner that doesn't bore them to death or they're just going to look at it and say yeah I don't have time to read that or I don't understand that so that was that was the main motivation behind it to be completely honest because um, yeah I think when you speak and you verbalize some things, it's a little bit easier for people to take it on board as opposed to when you just write things on the internet or whatever. Um, I'm going to get into blogging as well. Um, just I think that's would to be to substantiate my blogs. So sometimes I'll do a blog and maybe you know just through conversation where you go off on a tangent, there's a point that so to just add some additional notes to some of my thoughts or if there's a very very brief thing i would like to go over i'll do that in the blogging as well but yeah back to the pod that was the main reason i just wanted to be able to get out information i think i think you've got a good point there in terms of being able to touch bases with what is generally the um form of information people want to take on nowadays it's it's very much people are not in it for the moment it's they they don't have time to to read things you're thinking well you you do but it's coming back to this older adage that it's putting in the time and effort that you want to achieve something so be it uh, reading an article it's not a bad thing because you're getting somebody's perspective. It's the same with a podcast. It's somebody's opinion at the end of the day. I think where people probably elude from it is you need to get multiple ideas and yeah. kind of reflect upon it and get your own ideas from it. So it's not taking things as face value from one specific, uh, one specific individual. It's taking it from, we'll say a couple because probably loads of people is probably too extreme and yeah. and kind of making your own mind up from there to add 
um, to what you what we were saying. Also, another thing about podcasts is um, you don't have to stop whatever you're doing. Like I've seen a lot of people say they listen to pods on the morning commute and stuff like that. You can listen to a pod while you're washing plates. You know, stuff that typically you're having to read a book or read an article, you kind of have to the internet browser so the other things that you was doing on your phone or whatever you have to stop it whereas you don't have to stop to listen to a pod it's if it's on soundcloud it plays in the back it's on itunes it carries on playing in the background so i think that's something that's really our advantage if you want to feed people information as well with the pod now coming on to now coming on to our topic david of today's show why do you think, and this is probably a multiple prong question now, why do yeah. people possibly now not overtrain, overtrain, or kind of stagnate with their training? Okay, so to, to answer the first one, why don't they? Um, essentially, because they're not. Well, what we focus on generally seems to be like volume, but not volume in terms of holistically, volume in terms of, all right, um, I'm just going to do loads of reps without any real intensity. Like, and with that, there's only so far you can go. Like, if you're doing, um, I don't know, 10 sets of 10 at like 50% intensity, that's that's not really going to do much, is it? And if what's in sight isn't progressive overload, then guess what? That's not going to do anything, to be honest. Um, and to answer the other question in terms of why some people like overtrain, is because we've kind of, I don't know, trivialized that a little bit, we've colloquialized the term overtraining. So especially in the fitness industry, um, you know, there's a certain fitness uh, enthusiasts or whatever you would call them, and they talk about overtraining. I, I think maybe they're using the wrong terminology. All they mean is push yourself, but, you know, doing outrageous things yeah, that are probably have absolutely no return at all has kind of been popularised in certain sectors of the industry. So... That's a, a, another reason why people kind of burn out, if to use that word, you know. Literally, they're just going to the gym and they're saying, unless, you know, you feel like your arm is going to drop off, then you shouldn't leave the gym. And we both know that that really make much <laughs> That doesn't really make much sense. So you've got, you know, you've got that polar opposites. You've got people that... Um, they're there to do fluff work, but loads of fluff work. So they're not really pushing themselves. Then you've got people that they're going to do work. They're being honest about their training, but they're being a busy idiot. Not they're not to say in an offensive way, but they're being they. It's not really a calculated approach. They're just saying, "All right, you know what? Today I'm going to train till I feel like I can't do anything anymore." and yeah, I'm going to have like a two-hour session where I have the craziest pump ever, you know. So, 
that's 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 the two extremes that we have, I think, to be honest. And um just have to find a balance, you know. But also I feel like generally in fitness there needs to be more emphasis on progressive overload. And you know, not progressive overload is not just um adding weight. I mean that's the primary um way to progressively overload, but it could be just doing an extra two reps, you know, in the set. Progressive overload could be adding an, another set. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um even cutting your rest period by like twenty seconds, you've progressively overload. Oh do you understand? So there's lots of different techniques that we can do. I feel like sometimes either ridiculous about it in doing fluff work or just really manic about it. But do you, do you think it comes down to, you could say from uh, one perspective, knowledge, because yeah. one, one set of group of individuals are being motivated by one perspective of the fitness industry and then the other side of it is kind of being left behind because they are kind of overwhelmed by all the information. Yeah, definitely. But just generally, there's a desire to get um, loads out of exercise without doing too much. There's that desire. Like if we look at um, HIT, yeah, how popularized HIT has been, um, people will tell me that they've done HIT but they haven't done hit, so someone will be like, "Yeah, I done a um, twenty minutes of hit." Then I'm like, "Okay, what did you do?" Um, I did a, a, a two minute sprint. Well, you know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, you know, I don't know what a two minute sprint is. If you if you just sprinted for two minutes, your heart would explode. Do you understand? So, but it's it's a it's a way to cut corners. Somebody will say, okay, um, I heard or I saw an article and it said HIT is more effective, but they're not going to do the actual high-intensity interval at high intensity. They're probably going to do it a little bit lower, but that satisfies their way of thinking as, yeah, I've done this. This is more efficient. It only took me 20 minutes. We both know, if they, because a lot of the time it's weight loss that they're after, we both know really... The, the one that they can adhere to is, you know, your one hour on the tread or the bike, you know, low intensity, steady state. So, um, they don't want to do that. They don't want to put in that, that one hour of work. They'd rather do the, you know, the supposed hit for 20 minutes, which isn't really hit because they're barely breaking a sweat. So, within it all, there is a desire to do as little as possible and get the most out from one party of people which most of the time is general population i think this this, this is probably you would agree with this comment david is i think to get the best out of hit you either need a fitness professional there or yeah. do it as a as a group because you're gonna uh, that pushes you to be able to on one hand rein it back in at times, which you see a lot within the industry, because the person thinks, oh, I'm not, I'm not working hard enough, and you can kind of see, it's kind of, they're starting to glaze over, it's like, no, 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 rein it in, this is only the first time you're doing this, this type of uh, workout, or when you're working with a group environment, 
on the other extreme, it's going to be more competitive and you're going to get better results as a result. Definitely. Um, for me, I think it is as effective as as studies show, but I don't think it's... I don't think it's for general population. I don't think general population, like, we're not um, newbies anyway. And this is not be me being, like, you know, uh, a fitness person who's looking down on people. It's just the physicality that it takes to work at such a high intensity and then have what would seem like no rest at all <laughs> to them after they've put exerted themselves so much. A lot of people can do that. Like I, I, I don't want to do it. <laughs> you understand? Like if someone said, "Oh yeah, let's go do a hit session," I'm like, oh, "All right." It's not something I'm going. Oh, the amount of people that are actually saying they're doing hit. If you scrutinize what they're doing a little bit, you'll find they're not doing it. So it's definitely something that you need a, a fitness professional or it, just even a friend. Somebody has to tell you, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, keep up this effort. Do you understand? So, I definitely agree with what you just said, hundred percent. I think also you you find that this is more so when I was working in gym environment, you would have individuals do multiple classes. So, say the likes of um, MetaFit and say LesFit, um, Les Miles, sorry, back to back. You're thinking, well you're not really getting the full benefit of doing one class and you're not, in all honesty, from a physiological standpoint, going to be able to give 100% in both of them. So you're going to back off. Maybe if you think you believe you're working at 100%, you subconsciously won't be because your body knows it cannot sustain that amount of um, workload for an hour. Yeah, definitely, I think what most people end up doing is just some elaborate form of lists, to be honest. I think what most people end up doing, especially people that um, class bounce, like people would think they're doing a hit class, or but they've done two back-to-back. But when you sit down and you analyse what they're doing, they've basically done lists, but they took a break in between, essentially. So, um, but, yeah... With um, work ethic, it's, it's a very touchy subject because nobody likes to be told they're not working hard enough because it, it take, people take it quite personally. It's, it's something that people find very insulting. What do you mean? I'm giving it my all. I'm doing the most I can. So, But when you tell someone they're not working hard enough, it's not to belittle their efforts. It's just factual. We're, we're talking about, you know... I'm measuring things from a point of intensity. So this intensity is like, let's say, 85% plus. So if you're doing 85% plus, then that effort is not going to last two minutes. Effort won't, probably won't even last one minute. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I I did a, um, you know, a, a, let's say I'm working at 90% on my squat, you wouldn't expect me to do 10 reps, would you? Mm-hmm. If I told you I'm doing 90% of my squat and I did 10 reps, well, you would have to question if I've just done 90% because that's I'm a meta human then or something. I don't. But um, I feel like 
we should stop using how we feel as a basis to measure what we're doing and we should use kind of use what we know we can do so rather than ah uh, yeah i just done um you know let's say they use the squats as an example i done 12 reps it felt like hell okay cool but you can go up and i'm not saying that because i'm just your typical personal trainer who thinks everybody can do everything until they die i'm saying that because i just watched your um set it was nice and smooth it was very fast as well you know if you do things with pace that's an indication that there's a lot of power if you, if something's very very slow then we can say okay you found that hard and even if you wanted to you couldn't move it any harder so um a lack of knowledge but i think there needs to be a different analysis in regards to um training and how much effort we're putting in our work ethic um it shouldn't be largely based on how we feel so you you would come from this uh conclusion then that maybe the fitness industry needs to be kind of flipped on its head from one perspective and maybe look at tailoring training for individuals from a sporting perspective be like periodization and all that comes with it i wouldn't even say sporting per se what i'd say more performance perspective yeah but 100 percent people need periodization I, I don't understand why um complicated and it probably involves them you know putting their money where their mouth is or doing some research and not just, you know, um, going, okay, that person looks fit. They put out a plan that is literally just one session and has no instruction on how I progress or anything, but I'm just going to follow it anyway, you know. Um, but, yeah, definitely it should be performance-based. That's why uh, I've often had loads of arguments with, you know, the, the gym guys because their thing is not performance-based. Their thing is... I'm working to get a pump. Do you understand what? Like I'm working to get a pump and blah blah blah. You could mention to someone, okay, but you've been doing this same amount of work for like the last month or so. If you want to progress in in terms of aesthetics, then there will need to be some sort of spike in volume. Some people don't understand that concept, you know, because they're not thinking about things from a, a you know a performance aspect. Yeah, so when I first started personal training, I think one thing that I was doing that was wrong was some sure. I was assuming that people knew things, but a lot of people don't know that. Even some people that um, will call themselves um, fitness enthusiasts, they don't know that they should be judging themselves primarily performance. Well, I, th I think I think I probably have gone in that route because I'm coming from a sporting background so it's been oh, you could say, just say that knowledge is being passed on because I've seen it and done it I've seen that I can see the results happen so I've been more a case of well yes you're going to tweak it somewhat to be it for the personal's goals but at the end of the day there is it's there for a purpose the type of training that you're doing throughout a block it's there to get the best results definitely um like i said i think personally everybody should um 
there needs to be some sort of periodization but again it involves people having to put their money where their mouth is largely and you know how people feel about that so they will kind of just clutch at straws and then kind of go for the shortcut which is sad but um, that's what we're here for we're here to try and spread the information so people can kind of at the very least if we plant a seed and someone does their own research and maybe they don't fully understand it but they take one thing away so like people have been asking me about deloads because a lot of people they deload but they don't know they do they deload because it's been forced on them you know through injury or just through one day they woke up that and it was just too sore or you know they've been doing especially some ladies have been doing legs like three four times a week and then what they usually squat they haven't been able to squat it and so they said ah you know what i'm gonna go home then they came back two days later and voila or they came back a week later and oh yeah i feel good again so um yeah if they if they can take away one thing from us giving them information or them us prompting them to go do their own research it will it will improve the quality of their training and that's essentially what i'm here for to be honest with you I, th- I think you could probably go a step further than that, and it's it's yes, it's going out and getting the knowledge improved, but it's becoming uh, aware of how your body res- is responding to training, and the better you yeah. get at that, I think you you're gonna get better, you're gonna be getting better performance out of yourself. Yeah, um, but with I think and. Another problem is why people are driven to exercise. So if you're driven to exercise purely because you want to be the sexiest person on your road or something like that, you might not think about performance at all. You might think, I don't care about all of that. I don't want to be strong. I just want to be sexy. Do you understand? And not knowing that the two kind of go hand in hand. I'm not saying you should become, um, you know, world's strongest man or whatever, but if you want bigger glutes and you have, let's say, four exercises that you're doing, if you can do a heavier weight and do more repetitions, which is increased performance, yeah, then guess what? You're going to be moving a lot closer to the goal than if you just do the same weight for the next four months. So um, I think people need to get a general understanding of that. Like increased performance and aesthetics they they're not they they don't contradict each other. They're not antagonizing um, elements. They go hand in hand, and I think people kind of we need to kind of make people understand that, so they can stop going to their gyms or whatever discipline they're doing in type of training and saying, ah, oh, I don't want to be this, so I I don't really care about that. I just want to look nice. Yeah, but that like you said, that's impossible because. If you want to become, we'll say, more streamlined, so like aesthetically, well, it's because you're, like you said, you're you're big, you're building muscle. So as a result of that destruction, so to speak, within the muscle, you're getting stronger. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, what I'm talking about is the emphasis. You know, like some a lot of a lot of the time, people don't place an emphasis mm. on it. So. You know, as long as they feel their normal pump, they're fine. And then maybe somewhere along the line, 
when they're, oh, this is not giving me a pump. They might either slap on a little bit of weight or do another exercise. Like, if you go to, you know, them gyms, them bodybuilding gyms, you see quite a lot of that. Or you just watch people that have just started training, you'll see quite a lot of that as well. But then also, David, with that, wouldn't you do, wouldn't you agree, and this is probably generalisation a little bit, that most of those individuals are going to take pre-workout before they train, so they're going to get some sort of pump before they even start it. <laughs> um, you know what, that's a fair point, to be honest with you. That's a fair point. Yeah, that might... <laughs> yeah, that... I, I, I look, that pre-workout stuff, I don't know about it. I mean, mm. I, I tried it once. Um, I, was, I got underneath the bench to do some bench press, and... Um, yeah, I couldn't. My whole body was tingling, and it just felt like I was gonna die. And then I said, "Yeah, this, this is this is not for me." But um, it's very popular. Maybe I took a bad one, but it's very popular, and I don't understand why it doesn't make me feel like I want to exercise. It makes me feel like I need to lie down somewhere until that feeling passes by. But yeah, yeah, you will feel tingly you'll feel something I don't I don't know what is what positive thing they will feel but yeah you'll feel something well I, I, you hear these stories of it it helps them to get motivation you're thinking well is it really because one thing it's doing is elevating that your blood pressure that's for sure yeah I think maybe I don't know me personally when I'm training it gives me it like there is some adrenaline because I'm focused in my training. I'm thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So maybe they're missing that when they're training and uh, pre-workout gives that to them. But as for me and, you know, people that I've spoken to that are also um, fitness professionals, it's a big no. You know, this it doesn't sit well with me personally. It doesn't really work for me. But if it gives them some sort of placebo effect... And you know they push an extra um, five ten kg in the in the gym, and it's not harming their physical health in the long run. <laughs> then um, <laughs> go for it, I guess. But you raise a good point there in terms of it being a placebo. It's in most cases, it'll be the ingredients will contain caffeine, and then obviously yeah, things yeah. you cannot pronounce. So. In essence, you could have a cappuccino before a training session and, and possibly get the same outcome. Yeah, even, even some people get um, like uh, caffeine supplementation and they take it as a pre-workout. Um, but that comes with information, I guess, and knowledge. Like, I know this, so it will never do anything special for me. You understand? So that's, it's just like even... Some people have the same faith in um, whey protein, you know. Like, I used to train with a guy, and over the weekend, if he didn't have his whey protein, um, our bench session, he wouldn't perform. He'd be like, oh, I, I didn't have my protein over the weekend. I, you know what? Oh, man, I don't, feel, I don't feel like, I feel sucked. I don't feel like I'm going to be strong. And lo and behold, when we start training... He'll, his performance dips by like three reps on our top set. So, um, yeah, there's lots of things that people attach a lot of value to 
in regards to helping their training when and they're just placebos. But if you have the knowledge, then I guess it won't really affect you like that. But then coming back to your friend there, I think you raised a good point. He, he's, in all honesty, that's probably impossible because he probably has some <laughs> some form of protein in his diet during that weekend. Of course. From a natural perspective. Uh, I think from a knowledge base, a lot of people are kind of uh, flummoxed when you say, well, whey protein is... Uh, well, you could do it naturally, just leave your milk to go off and you could just scoop it up the top. <laughs> okay, it's probably uh, a disgusting way of going about it, but that's in essence, that's what it is. It's a powdered form. So I think going back to that point, he would have had protein, but I think it's an element of subconsciously he's got a, um, an onset of doubt because he doesn't believe, and this is just me generalizing now, deep down that he's able to perform that weight, but then if you look on it from our perspective, he's had the protein, he's just not drank it. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, essentially, but again, when there's very little knowledge, that's, I think those are the kind of things that will kind of, you know, um, shackle you, you know, restrict you in your training because... I've never really been a big on supplementation. I, I I used to use um hyperbolic mass because I could get um was it five hundred or eight hundred calories out of it. I'm not really big on eating, so it helped. But if I was able to eat something rather than having that, makes absolutely no difference to me. Do you understand? So, but other people, if they was had a nice if they met their requirements in in regards to their calorie intake and their macros, but they didn't have that. Then all of a sudden, oh man, you know they're they're really worried. So um, yeah, I think that's what it just boils down to mentality. Well, it's probably going a step further than that, David. It's questioning the labelling as such because we will, and I think. I'm, I'm, I'll be up front and say from the off, it's probably something I didn't do in the past. I'd take the company for face value. If this is what it says on the front, this is must be what it contains. Whereas I think I, <laughs> with uh, in terms of, oh God, it would have been a while back from more, gaining more knowledge and actually listening to other fitness professionals. Okay, if it says this on the front, well, let's see what else is hidden on the like when you actually go through the actual ingredients so you're thinking well because people will come to me from client perspective is this product better than the other yeah well without looking at the back of the ingredients it's not it's kind of a gray area they'll they'll say it's got this but and this is not knocking the the protein industry now it, you could put this label stamp this across any food source yeah, they're gonna do it from a mathematical standpoint. They're gonna try and dupe you as to what content it consists of. So it's it's been very much on the one hand a scientist, a mathematician, and and then I think I think well, that's probably where a lot of people put off. Well, they don't want to spend hours in a supermarket reading labels. Do you know what? Um, it's unfortunate that I wasn't able to get. Um, we I. On my pod, I've done a, a weight management uh, 
and we recorded a weight management, but it was distorted. We actually spoke about um, blends. So you'll get a, a protein shake, and it will say some. It will say like a protein blend or something like that. They use that a lot of the time to sneak some things into the supplements. So a lot of the time, it will say a blend, and then obviously it's like trademark, so we can't disclose what our blend is because it's our special ingredient. And they'll some of the time they just use it to put um, low quality protein and ingredients in it. Other times there's some foul play involved, but um, yeah, that's a that's something that people should definitely look out for. If it says any sort of blend and it doesn't disclose what's in it, don't buy it. Well, the other, on the other one, David, is probably the sugar content. It's, it's for them, uh, what would be? <sighs> to master taste, because in, most people would not know that the higher grades of whey, in most cases, taste bad. So they're going to add sugar to contra counteract that. So and then it just in terms of how far up that list the sugar comes. Obviously, most people probably could uh, get the assumption that well, it's probably the higher up the the information is, is there's more con. It's going to be more concentration of it, so it's going to be possibly worse for you. Yeah, that's 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 another good consideration to be honest. But then, then but then talking on that point, they'll then hide. Well, we'll we'll say sugar and salt they'll then put it in its uh scientific uh, l lingo so it, for me it's like well and this and i did it a while back on an episode on sugar i i, I knew there was probably like 25 to 50 different wordings for it and then i actually did a bit more digging and i was horrified so there's like 65 different types of thinking yeah so how many times they can actually dupe you yeah, true. Essentially, they could just put something loaded with sugar, and you'd never, never be the wiser. But now, David, coming back on the the overtraining and, and the burnout perspective, you, you you touched upon. Yeah. Obviously, I I alluded it to like briefly. I did a um, an assignment on it back in the day, my uni, uni days. Yeah. Obviously, athletes talk about burnout from a mental perspective. How do you think the two go hand in hand from a fitness perspective now? Um, well, to be honest with you, I think athletes generally are, like, when we talk about mental mentality, generally they're, because there's, there's a lot at stake, you know, there's a lot more incentive than your general person in, in the public. So... For them to get burnt out mentally, it means that they was really, 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 really pushing the ball out, to be honest. Um, but in terms of a, you know, like a physiological perspective, I think if you train hard, there are going to be periods of time where you will get tired. And like we said before, comes the deload. Like, people often... Um, do things like technically overreaching so like take a boxer for example you know they'll do a camp and they'll go absolutely crazy in the camp and then they'll have a week before the match one of the reasons is because essentially they don't want to get injured 
close before the time, so they won't spar as well and stuff like that. And also because there's been such a spike in volume in the six-week camp, the eight-week camp or whatever, that they need a period of time to actually recover properly. So um, we've, we, we see some people in sports that they're, doing, they're managing their, their fitness well. You know, they're managing their workloads quite well. But then you see other um, in this, like, types of, you know, sports where they're not so good at managing it, perhaps. Like, I think athletics and football, like, athletics, I understand they, they train, like, nearly all year round, a lot of them. And with that, you're just going to have to accept that you are not going to be a hundred percent all of the time, you know. So um, definitely, there needs to be like scheduled deloads um, and just periodization, essentially. But then, on the one point, there are probably two flips of the coin there in terms of athletics. There's no reason why you couldn't periodize because you're gonna have. Okay, this the argument you could say at the elite level it's a little bit easier to do because you're going to have those set in stone throughout the season, maybe less less so for an amateur athlete. But if you've kind of got competitions in mind, maybe from more so the clubs themselves, you could then periodize from that because you've got um, different time frames for when you want to peak at events. So there's like we touched upon, it's a performance perspective now. There's no reason to underachieve. There's no, there, obviously, there's gonna, it's going to happen because you can't... Uh, yeah. Uh, what we're looking for, but you can't predict you're going to get injured. So there's going to be times that you're going to miss certain aspects of, of that training block. So, But then from the football perspective now... Uh, they kind of could put a deload emphasis on it because they've got massive tra- they've got massive squads to work from. So you can okay, there's different facets with be it what level you're at, be it even in if we talk the upper echelons of say the Premier League, what the top four are going to do as opposed to the ones of relegation from a, a, a kind of emphasis on how they're going to p- prepare their season are totally different. Well, what what you will find is there's huge variety, like especially with something like football, because like you have different styles of play, you have different um, fitness coaches, you have some maybe some clubs that don't really have fitness coaches like that. <laughs> so um, there's there's a lot of variety, and I think maybe now we're going in the right direction, but like. As it's been before, perhaps not, because um, like for example, preseason. Some people will go to preseason and, and literally the the um, manager says, "Yeah, just run till it hurts," basically <laughs> stuff like that. And then, or they'll have um, you know, the Christmas period where you'll have like two, three games in a week. Yeah, mismanaged fitness is often mismanaged around that time. And that's where you're going to get people getting injured a little bit. And then, um, yeah, like even with what they do with their fitness programs, 
I find that what you should do is in preseason or whatever, that's the period of time where you can really, you know, make some ground on your physical shape. And then once the season starts, you should, whatever level you're at, you should kind of leave it there or just balance it out and just, you know, manage your fitness during the season. You'll find some people, you know, maybe, especially the young guys, they're they're trying to bulk up mid-season and stuff like that. But you're playing games, you know. So there is a bit of bad practice that we still see in, in sports. But then, David, this is now your opinion. Do you think, and it's maybe more so from a management perspective, they're kind of still they're still stuck in the Stone Age. This is how you used to do it before, and not letting the actual people that is their bread and butter actually do their job. Well, do you know what it is? I think um, fitness professionals are at fault as well to be fair because it's just like for example somebody wants to um, lose weight and they've come to you and you know they're quite overweight and uh, you'll see a personal trainer getting them to do one or two exercises that you think hold on this is not that conducive for weight loss reason being is because they want to show some sort of um, unique selling point or something like that. They want to show they can do something a little bit different, as opposed to doing maybe what's a little bit more boring, but what they know works. Do you understand? So apply that to like football industry now. You will see perhaps some practices that you're thinking, what merit is there in what you're doing? But because they want to show some sort of individuality, they want to show, okay, cool. You couldn't just do this with your team. I've got this special technique and philosophy. Um, you'll find you'll see a lot of that because uh, I've had a sit down with some academies, and then um, the person, like some of the people that are involved in the academy, they're not like qualified, but they've got their own takes on things, and they will, will say, "Oh yeah, I went to um, blah blah blah," and this um, fitness culture was doing this. And it's just some, you know, unusual practices. And they're doing that because, like I said, they want to show something different. Whereas you can just do what you know works, that everybody knows, that is not particularly exciting or spectacular. But what's at stake is people performing at a high level. So... Do you understand? That's why I say that um, fitness professionals are at fault sometimes because instead of you going there, being brave in your conviction of and your expertise and doing what you know works, you've gone in there and you've gone to show some pizzazz because you want to make sure that they call you back instead of doing the normal thing, which might be a bit simple and straightforward and plain. And then, but you're worried that they'll either say, "Ah, oh, no, this doesn't look spectacular enough." I don't, are you sure this is going to work? Or they'll just take the idea from you. And my last question for you, David, before we wrap up the show. If you had to summarise what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Oof, that's hard. Um, do you 
you know what? What I would say, I don't know if to summarize everything we've been talking about, but what I would say is, it's, um, yeah, it's it's not going to happen now. It's not going to happen overnight. But pursue it in a diligent way, yeah, and just make sure that, like, okay, for example, I'll put it like this. There's no point killing yourself every day in the gym, the swimming pool, wherever you're going. There's no point bringing yourself to near death or trying to vomit or whatever, yeah, <laughs> in the gym every day to crash the following week and then, you know, having to enforce a break when you could have scaled it back just a little bit. You can go hard, but scale it back just a little bit and be able to do that for the next three, four weeks and then schedule in, you know, um, a deload of some sort. So let's go in there. Let's give a lot of what we have, but not everything entirely because we're not, we're not going to the Olympics. I'm not in a Champions League final. Do you understand? I'm not training um, to, you know, squat the new world record of, was it, 480 or something like that. I'm going for my physical health. I, I want to push myself, but I want there to be longevity. And with that just comes, you know, just a little bit of wits about you. That's what I would say, to be fair. So once again, David, thanks for coming on the Mindset Game podcast. It's been lovely being on here. And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.